The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. I mentioned on Ash Wednesday how I don't especially like the season of Lent. However, I do like this weekend's gospel reading. This moment when Jesus spends time in the wilderness facing temptation is just so easily relatable. I mean, we all have our own temptations, and we usually wish we didn't because temptations reveal weaknesses, and we don't like feeling weak, or, worst of all, having to make a confession when we give in to temptation and fall short. This gospel reading, though, it makes me wonder, how can God be tempted? After all, he's the only one who can author his own laws and commandments, and he's the one with unlimited power. How can the Eternal One be tempted? For those with a good memory, three years ago we reflected on the first temptation Jesus faced, the temptation to change stones into bread. This isn't a temptation for Jesus to simply satisfy his own hunger while in the wilderness but to satisfy the hunger of all. The cry of the hungry for something so simple as food cuts to our hearts, and if stones became bread, then hunger would come to an end. But Jesus didn't come to end the hunger of the belly, but the hunger of the heart, and for this he feeds us with his very self. This temptation here is a a, a temptation to, instead of feeding us with himself, to feed us instead with something less lasting. 
Last year, at the beginning of the war in the Ukraine, we explored the third temptation for Jesus to become ruler of all nations. For our humble Lord, this isn't a temptation for power, but a temptation to end all wars. Because if Jesus ruled over all nations, he would be positioned to end all international conflicts and the horrors and sufferings that come with war. But the peace Jesus intends to bring isn't just the absence of war and conflict, but the peace that can come only from knowing we are adopted sons and daughters of God. Empires and nations come and go, but those who recognize how there are things greater than themselves, like being adopted children of God, endure for all time and carry peace with them. The second temptation is the most difficult. It proposes that if God is looking out for us, if he truly cares for the well-being of his adopted sons and daughters, then he won't allow any harm to come to them. I don't know if any here have have taken part in that activity of uh, where you're supposed to fall back into the arms of, of others, trusting that they will catch you. It doesn't work so well with siblings, but it's apparently a good, apparently it's a good team-building exercise. <clears throat> this temptation of Jesus is basically an extreme version of that. It suggests that if Jesus is the Son of God, he should have no need to fear even jumping from a high tower. Certainly his Father will catch him and keep him safe. The Father must do all he can to look after the well-being of his children, Right? If we truly are adopted sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, then certainly he'll keep us free from cancer or heart attacks, strokes, or any other ailment or disease. The temptation here is the worship of well-being. Here, well-being is the ultimate concern. Relationship with God is secondary or even an obstacle at times. And when threats to our well-being, from illness, natural disaster, or any other source appears, faith in God becomes a question. Healing the world and keeping all from harm, that should be the true concern of God and of his church, this temptation suggests. According to this view, giving worship to God, coming to this place, receiving his sacraments, gives no visible aid in healing the world and is maybe possibly simply a waste of time. So the tempter invites us to put God to the test, to do a, a kind of experiment to test his love, his power, and his trustworthiness. But it doesn't treat God like a person to whom we can have a relationship with, but instead as an object to be used. It places us above God as judges of what is useful and of what is not, of what is essential and important and what is secondary. It's completely incompatible with love because you can't experiment or run tests on love. A married couple, their relationship runs into real struggles if one of the members begins testing the relationship or testing the love and devotion of the other. 
It's just incompatible. Likewise, this temptation dismisses mystery. And love, true love, relationships of love always contain mystery. It's for it's impossible to see into the heart of another. There is no test or experiment that reveals what's truly in the heart of the other. We can simply make assumptions based on the outward demonstrations that we show. Jesus doesn't leap from that tower in the temptation, but he does take a leap. He takes a leap for us from on the cross. The leap, this leap of Jesus on the cross shows that despite the most horrible things that can happen to a person, God provides the ultimate resting place and safe haven. For Jesus, it's seen in the resurrection, and for us, it's found in the kingdom. <clears throat> in our, the, so the opposite of this temptation we can see on these walls of this church, and of, well, at least every church I've ever been in. The opposite to the uh, temptation to leap, assuming God will take care of us, is the stations of the cross, of this self-sacrifice. In it, we see Jesus offering, taking a leap, offering himself up in obedience for us. Likewise, we are called to make our own regular sacrifices, to, um, take, the opposite, to take a leap as well, but a leap of sacrifice, knowing that our ultimate resting place, our true home, is with him in heaven. God of all, we pray that in this season of Lent, we would be ready to offer sacrifice out of love for you and for one another. Touch our hearts through your Holy Spirit, so that we would not put, put you or our Lord to the test, but instead trust that, especially through the sign of the cross, that you indeed care for us and guide us in your ways. This prayer we make in the name of Jesus, who gives his very self for us. Amen.